Welcome to the first official episode of the World Changers podcast. Today we will be going over what makes someone a world changer and how to become a world changer. But first off, I want to talk about why I chose the name World Changers for the podcast and why I chose the verse Acts 17.6 for the main verse. I chose the word World Changers because I believe that as whoever listens to this, will have their relationship with God changed forever, and they will learn how to truly spread the gospel and change the world. And I chose Acts 17, 6, because it says, for these are the ones who will turn the world upside down. And I believe that for every single one of you who watch any of these episodes, but with no further ado, let's get right into it. For the first part of this two-part podcast, we will be talking about how to become a world changer. I bet, like me, you've wondered, how do you become a world changer? How do you become someone who efficiently spreads the gospel? In my research, I found three key points on how to become a world changer. The first key point on how to become a world changer is resist temptation. In Hebrews 11.24, It says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. So this is saying that Moses not only resisted the temptation of sin, but resisted the temptation to live in Pharaoh's household. And he decided to live with his people, which eventually led to the freedom of the Israelites. I know it may be hard to resist the temptation at first, but once you start doing it over and over, it gets easier and easier and easier, and it puts you on that next step to be to being marked as someone who has changed the world. The second key to becoming a world changer is remembering that just because you mess up doesn't mean you can't be a world changer. This is saying just because you accidentally fell into your temptation doesn't mean you can't get back up on your feet and start going towards that goal of being a world changer, someone who will change the world for the goodness of God. Moses was a murderer, but he was he was still used to deliver the Israelites. David lusted after another man's wife, impregnated her, and then killed that man. But... He was still a mighty king, and he was someone who even God said was after his own heart. And my third example for someone who messed up but still was marked as someone who changed the world is a man named Jonah. Jonah was called by God to change the nation of Nineveh, but he ran the opposite direction. He got in a boat, tried to sail the exact other way, but then... The people threw him over, he was swallowed by a big fish, and then he was he woke up on the coast of Nineveh. And then Jonah was the leading cause of the revival that happened in Nineveh. My third point of becoming a world changer is do not make excuses. I know sometimes the easiest thing to do might be to make an excuse, sit at home, 
Oh, uh, I'll do it tomorrow. Open the bag of Doritos. Turn on YouTube. But that just puts you a step back. And that makes you start to depend on those excuses instead of becoming a world changer. But when you stop making excuses, then you can actually move up those steps to becoming a world changer. And you actually go out and become that person that God's called you to be. I've put a list together of the five biggest excuses people use on why they won't, be, they won't go out and become a world changer. The first excuse is age. Some people say they're too old. Some people say, may say they're too young. But then we could look at the story of Abraham. Well, he thought he was way too old. He was over the age of 100. But God still used him to have a son and birth many nations. And you, you may say you're too young. But we could look at Timothy, who is just a teenager, but God still used him to preach at that young age. The second excuse is that you're not deserving of use. In Exodus 3.11, Exodus 3.11, it says, But Moses asked God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Then God answered, I will certainly be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you when you bring the people out of Egypt. You with all will worship the God God at this mountain. So you're right. You aren't deserving, but God still wants to use you. God still wants to put you in that position of being someone who changes the world. Someone who changes not only the world... But people's lives. A thir third excuse to why you won't go out or someone won't go out to be a world changer is that I don't have enough answers. That's a very common one I hear. And that's one I myself have struggled with along as the next two on the list, numbers four and five. I didn't think I had enough answers, so I thought they would catch me, and then I'd, I don't know, get laughed at. But if you don't have answers, you could just go back into the Word and then come back with an answer. It's just as simple as that. Moses said in verse 13, same chapter, the, then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. So God's basically giving them an answer on what to say. And you, you might, you, how do I word this? 
you might want an answer directly for, from God, but we already have the answers directly from God in this big old book called the Bible. We have every possible answer. You just have to find it. The fourth, another one that I struggled with, was they won't believe me. It's a very common thing to say, I can't, I can't do it because they're not going to believe that my God is real. Moses said the same thing. He said that they're not going to believe that you sent me. It says, 4 verse 1, What if they won't believe me and they will not obey me, but say, The Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord asked him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Throw it to the ground, he said. So Moses threw it to the ground. It became a snake and he ran from it. The Lord told Moses, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff back in his hand. This will take the place, he continued, so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to you. So God, in that point, is giving Moses a sign for the Israelites to show God has showed up in Moses, and he has proof. You may not have the staff that turns into the snake, but you do have the Holy Spirit. People will be able to see that your life has changed for the better once you came in an encounter with God. Some people will even be able to tell when you recently have encounters with God because it will just be radiating off of you. And that's enough for them to believe. Or God will give you a word of knowledge and he'll be like, say this and you say it. And then and then that's how the person believes you. Number five. This also ties into number five. I'm not a good speaker. I've heard this one the most out of any other of these. I, I can't I can't talk. I'm not good at talking. I, I don't have a good speaking voice, but you have a good message. Exodus 4.10. Exodus 4.10 says, But Moses replied to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, either in the past, recently, or since you have been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. Then the Lord said to him, Who placed a mouth in humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. So God also does this in our daily life. God will tell us what to speak to certain people. God will tell us how to speak. Like you could be speaking to someone, and God will be like, say this exact thing, and then you say it. That's all on how to become a world changer. But keep these three steps in your mind this week. Pray on it. Meditate on it. I encourage you to read these passages. Exodus 3.11 through 13 and Exodus chapter 4. And also Hebrews is also a very good read. Now we are going to transition into the second part of this podcast. Seven Characteristics of a world changer. All right. 
we are going to talk about seven characteristics of a world changer. Starting with the first one, denying comfort. I know it sounds simple, but comfort, 90% of the time, comfort is what kills your calling. Because you could be sitting at home, God saying, go out and spread the gospel. But you're be comfortable in your snuggie under your huge blanket. And you're like, ah, I'll, do, I'll do it tomorrow. Then you turn on a movie. Then tomorrow comes. God's like, all right, it's tomorrow. Let's get to it. And then you're, you're comfortable. You just got home from work or school. You're like, okay, I'm tired today. Can I just do it tomorrow? And then tomorrow, and then the day after it comes, and then you keep making that excuse day after day after day after day until that stops becoming an apparent thing in your life. Or another example would be like, since it's about the time, like New Year's resolution, people. It'll be like, all right, let's go to the gym. Let's go. Let's go diet. And then... They'll hit the gym, they'll do good on their diet for the first week, and then they'll drive past Burger King. They smell the fresh fries, but they're like, no, no, I'm, I'm good at it. I'm, nah, I got it. I'm going to be good. And then they go to the gym the next day. They drive past Burger King. Oh, that smells so good. Then they start altering their route to make sure they pass Burger King. And then they start looking at Burger King every time they pass and they smell the fries. And we hit the two-week mark and, oh, I've been working out and dieting good for two weeks. I'll go to Burger King. And then, then they go to Burger King. And then the next day, they, let's say they stay safe. They don't go to Burger King. But then the day after, they go to Burger King. And then it starts becoming a loop. Or it's like someone who goes to the gym and then eventually stops going. They'll go to the gym. Let's go. I'm going to the gym. I'm going to get fit. And then the next day they're sleeping at home. Oh, I'm too tired. I'll go tomorrow. And then tomorrow becomes the next day and the next day and the next day until it, it's not even in the front of your mind. But then there's that 1%. There's that 1% of people who actually build through their New Year's resolution they get in the shape that they want to. They start getting into the gym and they stay in the gym. They stay with their diet. They don't hit up that Burger King. And the results come to them. And their body or whatever their goal is has been changed and they made it to that goal. So this, rela this relates to a world changer because as you start going out and become consistent with going out and spreading the word, that's more of the world you're changing, more of an impact you're making, and more of you showing God that you could be trusted with the little things. So then he'll start giving you the bigger things. He'll start giving you the bigger platforms to preach on. He'll start giving you more people to talk to and spread the gospel to. The second characteristic of a world changer is having a heavenly perspective when looking forward. Moses was looking at the end goal 
when talking to God, when he was looking forward on what he was going to do. Jesus, the perfect man who we all want to be like, was looking towards heaven while he was moving forward. He was looking towards what he would do, keeping the staying a perfect man and filling out his purpose for God. The third characteristic of a world changer is seeking the face of God. I know it sounds so simple, but sometimes it's also the hardest thing to do. Like after a long day of work, sometimes that's the last thing you want to do. But when you, when you have that time in the secret place, when you read your Bible, when you seek God, when you pray to him, when you worship him, even when you don't want to, that's when he makes you prosper. That's when he puts you forward. That's when he puts you in front of stages. That's when he puts you in front of people who you never thought you were going to be in front of. That's when he gives you that financial overflow that you've been praying for. That's what... That's when he gives you the abundance that he said he would give to you. All when you take that time out of your day, seek the face of God, either if it's praying, reading the word, worshiping him. When you're putting that time in to seek the face of God, he'll, it's like sowing and reaping. You sow a crop, there's no choice but to reap it. You sow your time. He'll give you something in return. The fourth key or the fourth characteristic of someone who is a world changer is having faith. Another one that seems super simple, but one that may be hard when you're trying to apply it. This might, this isn't only faith to spread the gospel it's faith in your everyday life it's faith that you're healed it's faith that you're going to receive a a miracle from god it's the faith that you're gonna reap what you sow it's also it's also the faith that you're gonna go out preach the gospel and people are gonna receive it Now, some examples of people who have changed the world with their faith alone. Jesus. He had the faith to keep going. He believed that his father had him doing what he was doing for a reason. He believed that he was going to the cross for a reason to be the savior of humanity. And after Moses asked all those questions, like we went over in the previous section of this podcast, he had faith when he went to Pharaoh. Abraham had faith when he was having his son. Jacob had faith when he was wrestling with God. David had faith. I could go on and on with people who are marked as people who changed the world who had faith that put them on new levels that faith that puts you on mountaintops faith that moves mountains the fifth key 
is willing to make the sacrifices that need to be made to further yourself and God's purpose for you. Sacrifices being an example of sacrificing that pet sin that you keep on the side so God will use you. Sacrificing that activity you do so you have more time to spread the gospel. Sacrificing that YouTube video. Sacrificing your time so you can your time so instead of playing video games or instead of going out and hanging out with friends you seek the face of god in that time so i'm not saying that you have to die on the cross but you might be a martyr you might have to make that sacrifice for the kingdom of god that's just one example of a sacrifice like jesus made that sacrifice of dying on the cross Moses made that sacrifice of not living in Pharaoh's household. And the, and the sixth characteristic of world changer is don't fear what may come your way. Trouble will come your way, but that's how you know you're doing the right thing. That's how you know you're doing what God wants you to do. If trouble doesn't come your way, I am concerned for you, my friend, because you might not be doing the right thing. I'm not saying trouble with like people or trouble with God. I'm talking demonic trouble. Like Satan will send people to attack you. Like not doesn't always have to be physically, but verbally. They will try to break you down so that you stop doing what you're doing in, in with God. But when you face that adversity, that should give you faith because that's when you see, hey, I'm doing this right. I'm going to keep doing it since the devil's sending me adversity, since the devil doesn't want me to do this. I'm going to keep going with this and I'm going to, I was walking with it before, but now that I see the devil doesn't want me to do it, I'm going to start sprinting with it until I reach the end goal of what God wants me to be there. The seventh characteristic of world changer is the biggest one. Do not confine the spirit in any area of your life. You might be spreading the gospel. It's going great. God says, say this. You confine it. Mistake. There's always a reason that the spirit wants you to say something or the spirit wants to move. And I've seen this. I, I'm not like a big preacher, but I've seen this a few times where the spirit's moving and then they continue with service and then they confine it. It's like the spirit is in the shotgun seat and you're in the driver's seat, but you want the spirit in the driver's seat. You do not want to confine the spirit. You want the spirit to lead you wherever you go. You want the spirit to give you the words to say. You want this without the spirit, your ministry is dead. The spirit is the fire, like explained in Acts. He is the helper, the comforter. So the spirit is what will give your ministry success. The spirit is what will what people will use when discerning, hey, should I have them pray at my church? The spirit will be the one that's moving you to pray for that person for their healing. 
So for that last one, don't confine the spirit in any area of your life because there's always a reason that God wants to move in that area. So that is the seven characteristics of a world changer. One, deny comfort. Two, have a heavenly perspective moving forward. Three, seek the face of God. Four, have faith. Five, be willing to make sacrifices. Six, do not fear what may come your way. And seven, don't confine the spirit in any area. So today we overviewed what makes someone a world changer and also how to become one. Tune in for next week where we will be talking about expectation. Love to see you there. Have a great week.